The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Video games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the 2020 and ruining things of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who never ruins anything. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm actually, I'm great. The weather here has been I'm I'm cold and I'm super happy about it. That's great. I got all the fans on, all the windows open. I'm freezing and I love it. <laughs> that is super good for yeah, sure. I I am unbelievably happy with, with this miserable, overcast, rainy weather right th- that we have right now. Uh, and I, I hope we get more of it in our future. Uh, and I also ruin everything, not nothing, <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes, also that, but I appreciate the that <laughs> sentiment. <laughs> you know, 2020 really just has been a bummer, right? I know that we all have been saying that, but if we really just categorically look at it, it's been a bad year, right? It's been a horrible year, for sure. And it's only, I mean, going to get worse. <laughs> it is only going to get worse, probably. Yeah, it's we're heading straight into... The worst time in a political year, in an election year. The worst time. Uh, So we're going to have to deal with that. And for a lot of people, thousands, millions of children are going back to school this week. Yeah, they are. Um, Luckily, not here. I don't have to worry about that till November 16th, which is pretty nice. Till November? November 16th. uh, All at-home learning. Wow, that's a long time of all that home learning. Yeah, that's a whole quarter. And then quarter two, only the special needs kids are going back. So actually, still no students until quarter three. Dang. And I don't mean that they're not students who are special needs. It's just they won't be occupying every building in the city. Right. It is a a smaller population of students than if every student were coming back. Correct. Yes. So yeah, we're, we're in a... We're we're creating our own little bubble city here. <laughs> Cause, uh, That's good though. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, classes start. You know, when we're recording this for me, uh, classes start tomorrow uh, slash yesterday when you're listening to this. So hopefully, things are still going swell. That's the that's the hope. But you know, part of me has this audacity to think that maybe things will be okay. I don't know. I really I don't hope really think they that- are. <laughs> base that in you know i don't have any evidence to suggest it's going to be but i just am really hopeful that it's going to be yeah and maybe hope will be enough i don't know probably not but i'm trying to be positive about it think positively listen we need hope to get through the rest of the year i i really hope everything is fine i really do i don't think it's going to be but i really hope i really hope it is i think i saw 
someone on social media had posted the idea. So this is definitely not my original idea by any means, but someone had talked about how how could 2020 get really any worse? And someone's oh, response man. basically was that at some point before the year is over, we're going to find out that like Decepticons are real. And all of our technology is wow. going to turn against I'd us. I'd be okay with that in that situation. <laughs> I was like, you know, ah, this doesn't seem too far from the truth. And then I shared that at work because someone had asked, well, how could things really get any worse? And I said, hey, what if all of our stuff was actually Decepticons, <laughs> and both my coworkers looked at me and had no idea what that meant. Oh. So then I felt really silly, and I said, okay, never mind. We'll go back to work. It's fine. It's Listen, fine. we both live in very snowy states, so anyone who's asking questions like that, they're really asking for a butt kicking. <laughs> I know. We don't need to jinx four blizzards in 2020 <laughs> i will say knock on wood i think i only used my snowblower once last year yeah see you just jinxed this year so now you're one of those people <laughs> but if i have it i mean i might as well use it right like sure. I spent a lot of money on it maybe now you can have a great opportunity <laughs> to use it <laughs> oh, oh boy. goodness yeah well may- maybe it's gonna be kind of like some, not all, but some zombie stories and, and universes out there where the snow will just kill everything. The cold will just get us. rid of... No, not us, of COVID. We just don't have to worry about it anymore. Yes, the thing that thrives in the cold and dies from UV lights. <laughs> you know, that thing that we know so much about. That's right. <sighs> all yeah. right. Now I'm depressed, Kyle. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, hey, you know what? We, saw, we have some... Exciting things to talk about this week, so we're just going to get to it then, and hopefully those will lift your spirits, though topic number one may not. We'll see how that goes. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at BoardWithVG on Twitter, or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also BoardWithVG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Josh, before we get to all the stories this week and all the topics this week... Next week, we might want to do a board game focused podcast, I think, because Mm. this week and kind of last week, we've been pretty heavy video game. And to be honest, board game listeners, this week is basically all video game stuff. Yeah, something board games next week. So next week, I think we'll focus quite a bit on board games. So just kind of be on the lookout for that. Expect that. Um, We just want to make sure that we are kind of balancing that. And with COVID, I think board game stuff is kind of. There's less news because. In the world of board games, everything I feel is kept really close to the chest. Like, we don't know what's not happening. Yeah. Uh, but in the video game world, COVID has caused a lot of things to happen and a lot of stories to happen as a result. So I feel like we've really been focusing that way. So we'll we'll remedy that next week. But this is Metafall Week, so we will be doing our Metafall guesses. We'll talk about all the contests and all that good stuff at the end. But there's a couple big topics we wanted to make sure we talked about first. One of them being, I think this came out the Last Tuesday, the day our show posted, or the day after, one of the two, (laughs) Josh, Halo Infinite is delayed. Now, I know everyone has talked about this at this point, but hey, we have thoughts and feelings about this, too. So we wanted to talk about it a little bit. 
is this a big deal, Josh? Is this not a big deal? What's <laughs> up, Halo Infinite? It's it's not coming out this year. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, I kind of I tried to avoid getting sucked into these debates that were happening in our Discord. Um, but there I were think, some yeah. serious debates. Which, by the way, you should join our Discord if you haven't yet. It's great. Yes, um, I think I did jump into at least one. Though. Uh, it's ultimately you want. We talk about this all the time. You want a game to be delayed if it needs to be delayed, right? As as disappointing Definitely. as it could be, you want a game to be delayed for the right reasons. And this seems like, especially with the demo we saw in it, like it's so funny to me that we see this demo and people cry to the heavens how awful it looks and then the game gets delayed and the same people cry to the heavens that it's delayed Right, like you get you you gotta pick one. Uh, I think that this is devastating to the Series X launch. I will say that to be totally honest. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who are still buying a Series X, um, right? And uh, because and I still want one, but for me and for people like me, I think people who were on the fence about what to get first the mm-hmm. Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5. Um, this is big and yeah. bad. <laughs> uh, I can still use my um, Xbox One X for everything, uh, for the most part, at least as far as Microsoft games go. So I'm not really enticed to get, and even though I could have technically played Halo Infinite on my, my regular Xbox One X, we all knew it was going to like be taking advantage of the series x so right like, it's all about the hardware now now we have hardware releasing without any first party games period at, at launch right um there de- definitely will be games that work with it that are already out um we haven't heard on a release date on gears tactics yet so that i guess could technically be one that they right. pu- push with it, but you can still play like Destiny, Dune, Forza, Gears Five. All those games are enhanced by the power of the Series X. But I really just think like this was their flagship game that they talked about and talked about and talked about. You get to play this on day one on the Series X. This is the game, right. and they put all their eggs into that basket. They did. And now that's an empty basket. <laughs> the basket is the console. Yeah. And there's nothing in it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm using a lot of weird analogies to try to like just say you can like no matter where you sit, whether you're still excited for a Series X or not, I don't know that you can look at this and not say it's terrible news for them. Do you think it would have been worse if they released the game to a poor response or so that, you know, keeping it in line with it's out with series X, like we said, it would be, is that the worst move or is delaying the game now the worst move? No, I mean, the worst move is to put out a bad game. Um, Right. Like that, it wouldn't, but it wouldn't kill the console. Right. Because people, Mm -hmm. they're not like, they're all lining up. They're all getting the game in the console at the same time. Right. You know, these reviews aren't getting out that Halo is a bad game until after these people get their consoles home. It's kind of crappy if that would mm-hmm. if that happened. Um, but you know, 
a new Halo doesn't promise a good game, so you also can't necessarily like say it's like a bait and switch because maybe the game just isn't good. Um, but and and I know Phil uh, talked about how they he was they were considering releasing it episodically. I think that it's right. smart that they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have to accept it, like that this is going to crush their competitive sales. They already said they're not competing with Sony, right. and, but they are. Whether they want to or not, they're competing with Sony. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to hurt console sales big time. Yeah, I think that I, I think it's reasonable to expect that it would affect and impact console sales, right? Yeah, it's not Crackdown. Like it's not Crackdown yeah. three. Like this is right. Halo. Yeah. What percent? Because in the in the uh, development update that was released, they talked a bit about COVID and the impact COVID is having and the the challenges they've had there. But they also just say that, hey, you know, there's multiple factors that have contributed to the development challenges. Yeah. How much of this do you think is a COVID situation? And how much of this is not directly from the feedback they got from the debut, but them wondering secretly, okay, I wonder what this feedback is going to be like. And if it goes <laughs> a certain way or the way we think it might, we might need to put some more time into this before we... Re- you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting to think that that maybe they didn't show this demo off to a lot of people because you would think that they would have got feedback like right away. Hey guys, um, I don't know that this is going to be met. Well, it doesn't look great, (laughs) but Uh, I mean, they're smart people. Like they know, right? They should know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. They should know that. Uh, I, I mean, everyone is affected. Everyone in the games industry has been affected by COVID in some way. Right. Uh, right. Absolutely. but, but, it's been around since January. This isn't a surprise anymore. So, mm-hmm. it, and they're the victim. It could have been, it could have just as easily been Sony. Oh, absolutely. That, that they could have, anyone could have been the victim of this thing that these two companies brought on themselves, which is a slow delay release of information in for this year. Like any other year, we would have had all of these details out months earlier than we're getting them now. So when you put out an Xbox presentation so late in the year and so close to your console launch, you really you're really not giving yourself a chance to to fix a game or address any issues because at this point, like Cyberpunk delayed their game at the right time. If Microsoft right. had any inclination as to where Halo stood in April, they should have delayed it in April and given people time to get over that because we wouldn't be talking about it now in August if they said Halo's coming out in 2021. We would have talked about it in April and May and that's it. But now it's the sour taste that's leading up to a console launch and people aren't going to forget Halo now because people are already making decisions now. They're voting with their wallet right now. You know, they're like, okay, I guess I'm pre-ordering. I meet myself. I said, you know what? PlayStation 5 it is because I want to go there for the exclusives now. Mm-hmm. And I, um, before that, um, I was torn between what I was going to get first. Um, but I also respect that there's some people who just don't care about Halo. And this couldn't, this didn't affect their purchase at all. They're still buying an Xbox and and that's great. Like, I'm glad people are buying Xboxes. It sounds really weird, like, from this year, me really turning from 
an Xbox guy to a PlayStation guy. It's really bizarre. Right. Um, because I didn't anticipate that. And it's probably been the past two years that that change has happened because Microsoft mm-hmm. really hasn't given us much first party in the past two years. That has been good. <laughs> I should clarify. Yeah, there have <laughs> definitely been some gems in there. I think obviously Ori and, and some other things have been, yeah. you know, good for good some people. <laughs> for, right. For some people. Absolutely. So this, I don't mean for this question to come off as trite or that I am not cognizant of the the great effort that game studios put in yeah but do you think 343 is up to the task that's a good question you know because and and obviously halo 4 came out and people liked that pretty good halo 5 came out and i think people liked it less than four is my general thought on that yeah the master chief collection while probably in better shape today was a mess definitely did not launch well (laughs) you know and I, I know they have had some work, at least with the Halo Wars series and some of the other remasters and stuff. So it's not like they're just have done four, you know, four or five, the Master Chief Collection and this. They've yeah. had their hands in a lot of pies. So it's not like they haven't been working on anything. But is that a worry to you at all? Do you think that this might be a little, is this too much for them? When you put it that way, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about it, but it could be. I mean, if you have a studio who is putting like we don't know what they were thinking right did they think when they put this demo out that it looked incredible that it was really showcasing the series x like did they think that or or were they were they struggling and someone's like we need to get like we were told we need to get this demo out before Mm -hmm. this date um so i think it depends on in i i always just think about that god of war documentary when i think of stuff like this right and and I, that team would not have put this demo out, right? So yeah. I think it's interesting. So maybe three, four, three isn't up to it. I don't. I don't know. I think ultimately, when when this game comes out is when we'll find out. But really, they they're take they're they're taking Halo into uncharted territory with how they're changing for them. Like it's not groundbreaking as far as video gaming goes. Like there's games right. that do like this intuitive map system and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's new to them, yeah. Uh, so that could be some struggles. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's Microsoft, so we'll never hear anything about it. There'll never be a documentary about it. So right, uh, that's just something we will never know. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe this is maybe three four three is done after this. Who knows? And, and I don't mean that. To, I I know the people that are working very hard. I have no doubt that they're working very hard. I. I just wonder, is that the danger of when you name a, a studio after a game, you know, you know, something in a game like 343 yeah. is is Halo at this point? And is that the best fit for them? I, I don't know that we will ever really know because what else can they do? Right. Well, studios close all the time. Honestly, if it's not paying off for Microsoft, they could close it. Like, it's not unheard of. Yeah. It would be weird to close 343, right? But yeah. maybe they'll rebrand it. Maybe they'll just transition people out. I don't know. Um, maybe it is a, a tough work environment. Maybe we're going to get stories about that in the next few months. Uh, it's really hard to say. Um, I think just, I think the overall like takeaway is like one word is disappointing, right? Like it is. Yeah. You know, you, I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want to sit here and say like that, that they failed necessarily. They, like you said, they, I'm sure they're working extremely hard, but 
when you have an important like game like this, you know, people need to be. This shouldn't have happened, right? Right. People should have been overseeing this. It should have been managed. Whatever, something or some things failed leading up to July, end of July. Like, yeah, some something happened that I can't imagine they didn't expect. <laughs> yeah, and I hope it's good. I really hope that once they are able to put everything together, that it, it comes out and is awesome. I played so much halo 3 my goodness that i put so many hours into halo yeah. 3 that I, I would love to fall in love with a halo again i i really would it was i think like a year-ish ago uh the creative director left okay 343 and I, at that time i figured oh must be wrapping stuff up that game's supposed to come out next right. year their role must have been done <laughs> and maybe that's still the, tr- the still true and from a story standpoint and narrative standpoint everything still is in place uh, they just have a little technical work they need to do to get things taken care of. Uh, but maybe not. Who knows? Who knows what other changes they made as a result of that happening? Any concerns at all that they just put 2021 on this? Not spring, not summer, not fall, just 2021. No, because I mean, at this point, I want it when it's done. Okay. The last thing I want them to do is put a date on it because they clearly couldn't hit the big date. <laughs> right. So yeah. don't don't put a date on it. Let it come out when it's done. Um, but, but man, they shouldn't have even put 2021 on it. They should have just said Halo Infinite is infinitely delayed. <laughs> yeah. So if this goes a year, say it pushes to next fall. Yeah. Is there any chance in your mind that it becomes a Series X exclusive? Yeah. I mean, if they, if they have to wait that far. Right. Yeah. You, at that point. I mean, this is a conversation they have to start having now, though, because they're developing it on the Xbox One X. Right. So if that's what they're going to do, then they need to shift more gears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They could do that. They really could if they want to really take advantage and, and maybe maybe they need to just develop on the Series X hardware. Right. Maybe we'll get some motion in those trees. Yeah, and I know some, <laughs> I know some <laughs> folks like Donnie are big on the fact that a year from now, likely that you'll just be able to stream all Series X games on your One X. So in theory, you know everything is compatible with it if you have Game Pass, and that's a great point. I, I think that is something where, if they wanted to do something like that, it would it would make total sense. And yeah, like I said, I'm just really excited for to fall in love with the Halo, and if if delaying it is going to help that happen, I'm all for it. It is a it is a bl- blow for them for sure, though, for their fall launch because they do have some other cool things in the bucket. Uh, I don't know. They have a ton of things that are one X exclusive cool in the bucket though. Uh, but game pass is still the big thing. So if you want the best way to play game pass, you know, you, that's a, there, there's a way to do that. Final question that has been bouncing around. And I know there's some people in our community who are, are big on this. What do you think they do now? Do they go get something else? Do they try to get, uh, there are people talking about how they're going to get cyberpunk for game pass now. Yeah. Cyberpunk isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. CD project red has come out prior uh, even i think it was in july even it said no that's not happening so who knows things could change if, if it's enough money things could change but for that game it'd have to be a whole lot of money they would have to pay them how much money they would make in the first six months of the game's release just right. to get it on and, game pass <laughs> and that would be a lot i think yeah. but do you, do you think there's a chance they do go get something else do you think they lean now more into destiny 2 and having that their content now is supposed to come out in november the next expansion it's going to be on game pass do you think they you know it's bungie 
Yeah. So it has some Halo roots. Do they do they lean there? What do you think their next step is going to be, or is it just going to be Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass? I don't think leaning on a three year old game is going to be good for them. Uh, so maybe let's just let Ga- let's let Destiny come to Game Pass and let that be the big thing for them. Uh, I mean, you could maybe see a partnership with Ubisoft and try to get Watchdogs and Assassins onto Game Pass. That would be huge mm-hmm. for them. I don't right. think that that would happen. Maybe one of those two games. Um, I really don't know what their mindset is. I know people were tweeting, like insiders were tweeting, like they have a lot of extra money now, but they've yeah. always had extra money. It's Microsoft. It's not like they yeah. have a surprise extra money. They just have right. the money they have. Um, yeah, they if they're going to try to get consumers to buy a Series X, it's going to be on Game Pass uh, alone. So yeah. If they can acquire a big Game Pass game or even library, um, like I was talking at work, like Call of Duty, if they were like, hey, we got the past four Call of Duties all on Game Pass now. Not the new one, but we got Black Ops, we got World War II, we got um, uh, Modern Warfare, like all on Game Pass. Uh, The remastered ones that are only on, like we're only on PlayStation for a bit. Like if they were able to get an Activision deal out of that um, or... uh, infinity ward it's activision still right yeah who publishes them yeah so if they could get a deal with call of duty i think that would be pretty big um i think a lot of call of duty players play on playstation so that could be pretty big for them uh and that's just kind of one of the things that i thought of when i'm talking to the to the guys at work about what happened with halo uh i i really don't think it's gonna be cyberpunk though i just don't see it happening uh but it would be I mean, that would be really great for them, right? They've already said it's going to play the best on the Series X. Yep. Um, and I think even um, Studio Project Red confirmed that, right? Yeah. I, I think that's obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, why, you know, when the marketing is there and that marketing deal is in place, that, you know, that obviously it seems like that becomes the lead console to develop yeah. for. So it's going to run best on that console typically. So. Right, right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I really don't know... Uh, what the heck they're going to do. <laughs> but they need to do something. Yeah. I, I think the cyber, cy- cyberpunk thing is pretty far-fetched. I, I don't think it's impossible because, like you said, Microsoft has a lot of money. Yeah. And that's the one thing that is always... People want PlayStation to compete with Xbox in Game Pass and all these other things. But people forget how big of a part of actually making money for Sony PlayStation is right. compared to Xbox for Microsoft, sure. right? PlayStation has to turn a profit. Right now, Xbox doesn't need to, and Microsoft is still making money hand over fist. They're yeah. fine. But <laughs> Sony is not. Sony is a company that PlayStation is really important to their bottom line and, and for them making money. So putting all of those first-party games on a service like Game Pass for them isn't probably as financially feasible because they have to turn the profit from those. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I do think they have some extra money. It wouldn't surprise me for them to see, do something big. I don't know if it'll be cyberpunk big, but I, I anticipate we have not heard of the last from Microsoft this fall yeah. prior to the launch. So they and you just... know what? I'm, <laughs> a, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I really am because yeah. I think they had, like you said, they had put all those eggs or so many of their eggs in that halo basket. What other basket are they going to put, you know, put together now? Might it be even a more enticing basket than maybe halo was? I don't know. Possibly. Right. Maybe. I mean, they literally could just drop the price of their console a hundred bucks. Yeah. And win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even they, the price we don't know yet. Right. 
<laughs> the price that nobody knows. Right, indeed. All right, anything else you want to say about Halo? I'm sad for Halo. I am <laughs> sad too. And hopefully 343, you know, will be able to use this extra time to make something amazing. Yes. All right, <laughs> moving on. Topic number two. Now, this topic got a lot of hot discussion in our Discord. Discord. And I might have been one of the people involved in that hot discussion. You but were. Yeah. Epic, Josh, is suing some small companies. Really small companies. You may not have heard of them. Uh, Apple and uh, a Google. A Google? <laughs> a Google. So, Josh, Epic came out after some shenanigans they had pulled with Fortnite. Got banned from the Apple and Google app stores because of those shenanigans. Uh, I'm sure listeners probably know what those are, but we'll go into it more in depth in a moment. But just in general, Josh, thoughts on Epic suing Apple and Google? Good? Bad? What are you, what are you thinking about? <laughs> um, Honestly, none of my business. That's really what I think about it. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's not a good look for them, uh, regardless of who's in the right. You really think it's a bad look for Epic? I, th- I really, I'm so torn on this. I do. I I think it looks bad for all three of them, to be honest. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. The more, the more I looked into it, the less I think I know, and uh, <laughs> um, it all got very confusing. And then, and then people started putting out weird quote unquote research things that i can at least verify one of them is wrong that kevin commented on too um from reputable sources uh it's if if what is being said is true i don't think i think epic should have done it but i I still think a mega corporation suing two mega corporations looks bad just on the whole (laughs) so why do you say that you think epic should have done it so the reason why I would say it is because it appears that, and I don't know how true it is, that they weren't getting charged this 30% up until recently. I don't know how oh. true that is, but at least that's my impression. Um, so if they were if they were losing, I don't know, whatever the charge may have been before, it might have been 30%. Um, but if it was like 10, 15, 20%, and then all of a sudden Apple and Google are taking more, from mm-hmm. them, um, then I'm assuming as a mega corporation, Epic looked at their contract and saw that this is not part of it. So they sue them. That would be my guess. Uh, so, but uh, but I don't know that you go ahead because I'm going to go on a tangent. <laughs> it was okay. So my understanding is that you know, Epic, Epic. Apple and Google have these terms of services, not only for us, like the EULAs, the user agreements, but terms of service for app people who put apps on their stores. Part of that terms of service is that you have to pay a percentage on top of, or you, you pay a percentage of transactions go to Apple. So if you have a $10 microtransaction in your game, you get $7, Apple gets $3, right? Yeah. This is pretty, from what I can tell in in reading, pretty universal about 30 percent is what most of the console makers charge is what apple charges what google charges that is the general going rate uh, of getting your game into a store uh is about 30 percent epic then said nah we don't really want to do the 30 percent so we are going to allow people to purchase v bucks 
in our game on iPhone and on Google and people who download it from the Google Play Store for 20% less, but we're not going to have that purchase processed through Apple or Google. Right. So we're totally cutting out Apple and Google, both which are violations of the terms of service that they agree to when putting their game on the App Store. As a result, Apple and Google both said, hey, yo, can't do that. That's against our terms of service. Uh, so we have to remove you from the App Store. Immediately upon that happening, Apple and Google both got sued by Epic in federal court, uh, basically saying that, hey, you are ostensibly Apple. You are a monopoly on apps that are offered in the App Store. True. (laughs) And that isn't okay. Yeah, and that isn't okay. You should not be able to be a monopoly for apps that are offered on the App Store. We should not have to go through you. So that is basically the gist of the lawsuit. And the same for Google, too. Basically saying, hey, Google's is a little bit different. Their lawsuit's a little bit different because Google does technically allow other stores. Like the Google Play Store isn't the only store you can have on an Android device. But they have guidelines about uh, you have to make sure that the Google Play Store is like on the front screen of the phone and all these other things when using the Google OS for a phone. But technically, you can have other stores um, of, on your Google phones. Yeah, so John, it, it looks like they're that they're so they're, I'm catching up while you're talking, and it looks like they left Google. Well, Google took them off of the App Store, their App Store, because when Fortnite came to Google Play, Epic let people download like download it from their website to play on their phone instead of go through Google Play and Google didn't like that so they just removed the game. I think well, it just depends on whose side you see it from. Yeah, Google's big thing was that you can sideload but when you sideload and do all that other thing onto their phone, uh there's a whole bunch of you know just like when you download something on your computer that's like hey, you're downloading this executable, this might cause problems. Right. Uh, that's what that's what Google obviously when you sideload and things Google will pop up on your operating system and be like are you sure you really want to do this? <laughs> uh, Epic says they shouldn't be allowed to do that. That those types of warnings uh, should not be allowed, basically. That it prevents a fair market and it prevents people... People get hesitant then about downloading apps that way uh, because it is presuming that the app is going to be dangerous even though the app may not be. Right. Yeah, I mean... I don't know how I feel about sideloading. I thought it was just <laughs> legitimately you go to Epic Games and download it on google play at least that's how it was worded well because it wasn't fortnite wasn't even on the google play store until i think earlier this year like you had to download it from either from um epic's website or a different way because you can't do that on a google phone like that's totally fine yeah it's oh man uh it was uh yeah it said so back in 2018 um they launched fortnite on android Mm -hmm. 2018 so two years ago um, and then they asked people to download the game directly from its site rather than through Google yes. Play Store. Yep. And then they said they would have done the same on iOS if they could have, which means right. there was a way to do it. No, there's not a way to do it. On Apple. Correct. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. The game came to Play Store in April, but Epic criticized Google's effort to warn Android users about alleged threats. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. about downloading Fortnite directly. Uh, so here's my question before... Uh, I just want to get back to the part 
why can't Epic discount their game that they own on their own website? You go to places and buy games for different prices all the time. Yeah. Like I, I could go to Walmart and get a game for ten dollars cheaper you than can. any other store. So why, why did Apple remove their game just because they offered a discount to people using their own um, um, store? Because it violates the terms of service. Any microtransactions within your game have to be processed by Apple. So That's Apple part of the terms is of service. Saying, yeah. So okay, but technically, Epic signed the terms of service, right? Yes. Yes, they did. Okay. By agreeing to put their game in the their app in the store, yes, they did. So are they suing them for Apple to change their terms of service? Yes, they're saying that Apple's terms of service, like I said, ostensibly they're saying Apple is a monopoly, holds right. monopoly power for their on, own for their own store, yeah. for the app store. Yeah. No one else can offer apps through the app store other than Apple. As a result, they are a monopoly in that area. And that you know, if you think the 30% is is bad, like, that's fine. Like, we can have – I think the 30% argument is a different argument to me as, about whether or not that's a fair percentage for Apple to take. Mm. There are some people who are like, Apple doesn't do anything. The game's a free-to-play game. They don't do anything for it, so why should they have to pay 30%? Right. You know, it also gives you access to their however many people own an Apple phone. You know, like, are you willing to pay for that access to all of those people? Right? Right. So that's one thing. So, but also, hey, you know, they ensure they provide the store itself. They provide, you know, networking and safety measures to ensure that, you know, other apps that are on the app phone aren't like net being negatively impacting your app that you're publishing. Like there's different things that they're doing now. Consumers, they don't really care about because they'll steal all your data. But, you know, no big deal there. So I just think it's interesting so the 30%, like I said, to me is a completely separate argument as to whether or not that's a fair price. The right. question is, should Apple have to allow other people who don't go through Apple certification to make apps available on the iPhone? No, that's their application. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty black and white. Uh, it's that whole it's that whole argument <clears throat> where we talk about people getting denied service because they're not wearing a mask. Right. Like, you're in their store. Their store yeah. isn't in your house. You don't control right. them. They have right. rules. They run independently from every other retail shop in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Apple doesn't have to change it. But <clears throat> I don't know enough about <clears throat> the monopoly laws. If this is a legit monopoly operation, I know from growing up in the 80s and 90s that Microsoft had to. Ju- Microsoft, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T, all these companies have all been accused of and even found guilty of being monopolies. Right. So not all of them, but some of them. Uh, So I don't know if this pertains to that specifically, but as far as the question of allowing, I mean, Apple does allow anyone to put an app on Apple. Honestly, right. So, yeah, that might be a bad argument, but they allow everyone to do it. I think the thirty percent. I know it's separate from what you're asking, but it's a big number in a lot of ways. It's a big number for Epic, kind of. It's not probably not a big number for them, money wise, but dollar amount, it certainly is. As far as right. for someone like us to even like try to fathom how much money people are spending in Fortnite. But yeah, like I'm I mean, thinking of other games where you hear like 
Clash of Clans makes a billion dollars a month or whatever. That's crazy. And they're not yeah. getting 30% of that money just so you can download the game on Apple. That's right. kind of crazy. Yeah. I think, you know, it wasn't all that long ago that, you know, Fortnite was making, I think, over $100 million a day. Yeah. That, and, and Apple is just saying, sure, I'll let you play in my backyard for yep. 30% of that money. <laughs> right. But also, if they don't let you play in that backyard, you get you, 0% of that money. Yeah. They're going to take their ball and go home. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then so, 30% for a small person, like if you or I made an app, yeah. we just wouldn't make any money. Yeah. Absolutely. It, and like I said, I think the 30% argument is a good discussion to have. I yeah. don't know that that's the right price. Maybe it should be a sliding scale. Maybe there should be – I think Donnie is the one who suggested that maybe that should happen. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying that 30% is is right. And I'm not saying that like Apple and Google are in the right in these situations as far as the percentage that they're asking for – that they're collecting right. from – from these transactions. But you're right. You're right. They, they ultimately, they, they get to decide who they host on their own platform. Right. Cause I think the scary thing is, is that if Epic were to win this and I genuinely don't think they're going to, but if they were like the eShop couldn't be the only thing on it, like Nintendo would have to allow whatever on the eShop PlayStation would have to allow whatever on the PlayStation store. Cause those are all walled gardens. Those are all, you have to go through their certification. They take a percentage. It's basically the exact same thing. Have you seen the eShop? They already do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can get any game on the eShop. It's insane. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I'll be really interested to see how this pans out. I really don't know that Epic is going to have a great suit here. Uh, I can't imagine. I like I said, I'm definitely not a lawyer. I really wanted to be a lawyer one time, so I have actually like read like the documents <laughs> they filed because I'm a nerd like that. But it, it's really just very, very interesting. And Epic is definitely set them setting themselves up as like the little guy taking on the big companies. You sure. know, um, they're not so little though. They're not there, and they are definitely <laughs> not so little. So that's interesting. I thought it was interesting though, and I don't know why people are are interjecting themselves into this fight because I don't know if you saw that IGN uh, graph where they were like, we researched how much percentage all these people get from sales of games. Mm -hmm. And they showed like, they showed Best Buy at 30% of physical game sales. Right. Best Buy retains 30% and that they retain 30% of digital sales. And I think and Kevin made the comment um, I'm surprised other Best Buy people didn't jump in. Uh, from a, a former manager of Best Buy, I can tell you, Best Buy makes about 6% on right. physical games and 0% on digital cards. And IGN just put out a poll that said, uh, uh, an info infograph that said Best Buy makes 30% on physical sales. Not even close <laughs> to being true. So I don't know why IGN feels, and like they put like, we got our information from calling in-store employees and doing what oh. research we could find. So you, they got like customer service school and they were probably like, hi, this is blah, blah from IGN. You guys make like 30% on your video game sales, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> confirmed. We got another confirmed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's my next question for you, Josh. So Epic was like, hey, we're reducing the cost of V-Bucks 20%, right? Yes. 20% across everything. In their lawsuit that they filed, they said that one of the reasons they... So here's the big thing with Monopoly laws. It's actually technically... Uh, this is going to get gray. From my understanding, I could be wrong. <laughs> it's not technically illegal to be a Monopoly. 
if you get there through good business practice and it's not negatively impacting the consumer. So that's really what monopoly laws yeah. ha- are there to protect the consumer. Be nice. It doesn't, it doesn't, care, about, <laughs> it doesn't care about other businesses. It cares about the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think how do you think if you're epic, how do you say 30% is damaging to consumers? Uh, you don't. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's not. But that's damaging. like what you have to prove, right? If you're trying to say that they're a monopoly, you have to say that the consumers are being irreparably harmed by their practices. So how how is that harm coming to Apple phone users by them char- taking thirty percent off the top for purchases in the App Store? Yeah, I don't. Um, so I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to jog my memory. Jog uh, away. So, okay, in 1995, Apple sued Microsoft under a monopoly clause. Yes. Because Microsoft was going to acquire Hewlett-Packard. Yes. So it's the same thing. A a corporation suing a corporation. Yeah. Not over consumers at all. So the monopoly law needs to be rewritten. Well, it's also... And remove consumer from it. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I mean, the Sherman Act, I think, was written in, crud, 1890-something? Let's see if I can... It's called the Sherman Act? I think that's what it's called. Yeah, is like the um, I keep consumer protection the act. monopoly law. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing, Josh. The monopoly law. The monopoly you get all law. These, you get all these like board games with the monopoly on them on it. That'd be great. Yeah, uh, eighteen ninety. So there you go. That's the stuff that's you know dictating how businesses run today. I think there was an update to it too. Yeah, nineteen fourteen. <laughs> Very updated. Let me see if there's another update. No, nineteen fourteen. Nope. Okay. Uh, Insurance law was updated. There you go. In 1945. That's crazy. Yeah. The only other big thing that I I find interesting about this whole situation is that, you know, Epic said that they were going to pass these savings on to consumers when they cut that 20% charge uh, or cut the cost of V-Bucks by 20%. Uh, But if they really were trying to, you know, pass savings on to consumers for not having to pay for this processing fee, uh, why didn't they cut cost 30%? Because if <laughs> so, they, they get 30% off the top <laughs> and you're passing these savings out to your your friendly Fortnite players, yeah. why, why, why didn't you cut it to 30%? I mean, great question. Uh, let me update people. I don't know if these are updates to the law, but there's a lot of dates on the bottom here. Um, they don't specify, but I will read you the Monopoly um, part, which is... Ooh, I'm looking forward to this, Josh. This is still from 1917. Uh, Every person who shall monopolize or attempt to monopolize or combine or conspire with any other person or persons to monopolize any part of the trade or commerce among the several states, several states, or, (laughs) or with foreign nations shall be deemed guilty of felony and on conviction thereof shall be punished by a fine not exceeding $100 $100 million if a corporation or if any other person $1 million or by imprisonment not to exceed 10 years or by both said punishments in the discretion of the court. I love that it says $100 million, but that's like what they make in a day these days. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, and there's definitely um, published updates, but I don't know that the law has changed in verbiage. So, the Sherman uh, Act. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Also, final thing, final interesting, th- you know, food for thought. So, Epic talks about 
how there needs to be some competitive balance that if uh, competition was allowed in, in these spaces that the price of applications and the the price of the consumers would decrease right yeah in theory sure in theory right so the epic store takes 12% as opposed to 30% yeah from right what's the price of a new brand new triple a game on the epic store still 60 bucks so except they give them away sometimes for free on release oh, yeah, day. But so does but so does everyone. <laughs> you know? So but just another thing to think about, you know, hey Epic, I know you're trying hard, but uh you don't you also don't have uh, your own business practices don't necessarily even show that those things are gonna go that way. So anyway. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about the Epic suing a whole bunch of people? No, I mean it's just more twenty twenty happening. <laughs> I am really looking forward to Apple and Google's responses. I can't wait to read them because this is going to be so much fun. They might not say anything, Kyle. I might just let it sit in court. They might just let it sit, but (laughs) I'm excited about it. Okay, with that, we are moving on to topic three, what was supposed to be the big topic of the show now that we're, you know, like 50 minutes in. No (laughs) deal. Metafall 2020. That's right. Our annual guessing of what we think Metacritic scores are going to be is here. So if you are a new listener or not totally familiar with the contest, basically what we do is we have a list of 10 games that are currently slated to come out this fall. Josh and I are going to walk through those 10 games, give our predictions for the scores that they will receive on Metacritic. And at the end, once all the games were released, we will add up the scores and see who is the winner. Now, the way you win, excuse me, is if you predict a score, say, you know, one of the games on the list is Marvel's Avengers. Say you think the game is going to get an 85. So you predict 85 is what I think the game's going to get. And at the end, when we tabulate the scores, the Metacritic score is an 88. You would receive three points. So really the goal is to have the lowest possible score. Get your guesses as close as possible to the Metacritic scores that are determined from the reviews, official scored reviews of the game. Now, there's a couple weird things this year. So typically what we've done for multi-platform games, we've just used the PS4 version of the the PS4 score as our score that we're going to use. We're pretty much going to continue that. Any multi-platform games that are PS4, Xbox, PC will use the PS4 score. If they are like PS4, PS5, Xbox, Xbox Series X, we're still going to use the PS4 score. So that is going to be, so like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is on the list, is going to get a, you can upgrade to the next gen version. We're going to stick with the PS4 scores just because with this transition of things, I I wanted to keep things as simple as possible. There are a couple games on here that are currently slated to be next gen exclusives. If for some reason that changes, um, we will still use the... I, I guess was the lower <laughs> console, <laughs> I guess, is the best way to play it. <laughs> so that is kind of the way that this will work is we'll always use whatever the quote unquote lowest console is. Uh, but if the game is exclusively next gen, so if it comes out on Xbox Series X and PC, we'll use the console score. Another thing to be aware of is there's multiple games in this contest this time that uh, don't have release dates yet. They just <laughs> say holiday still. So the contest, the window for the contest is December 11th. So any game that is on this list, as long as it comes out by December 11th, so even if a game is slated for October and gets delayed four weeks into November, that game will still count. It just as if it pushes past that December 11th date, the game will no longer be counted in the contest. We also have three tiebreakers for the contest. So there's three additional games that you'll be asked to provide scores for, uh, and those will be used in date order to determine 
the tiebreakers. So what if we get through all three of those and the people are still tied, then it's just going to be a tie. But in general, like I said, we'll go through one at a time through the tiebreakers and we'll use those to adjust scores. And as soon as someone is differentiated, that will be, we'll then say X person is the winner as far as that goes. The biggest thing to know is that you, dear listener, can participate. How can you participate? Well, there is a Google form. Uh, to get to the Google form, you just have to go to bit.ly slash metafall2020. If you've never used the bit.ly link before, that's bit.ly slash metafall2020. So the big thing to note is that metafall on the end is all lowercase. That's an important thing to know for bit.ly links. But you just have to go there, fill out the form, submit your answers, and the submissions have to be done by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, August 30th. So that's when you have to have your submissions in by. Just guess what scores you think the games are going to get, and you will be entered into the contest. Now, the one important thing to note, Marvel's Avengers comes out September 4th, but if people pre-order a fancy version, I think you can start playing it September 1st. That's us, baby. So, if by chance, review scores for that game release before August 30th, because I guess theoretically they might come out Thursday or Friday before. Right. Um, If the review scores for that game are released, we'll just cut that game completely from the contest. Because I don't want you to wait until, you know, the 29th or the 30th to submit just in case. So, if by chance that game does have scores released, just know that we'll cut it from... Uh, the contest if they're released before the end of the deadline for submissions. My guess is they'll come out on August 31st, September 1st, that Monday, Tuesday. That's what I'm guessing reviews will come out. Um, so that's just kind of the one wrinkle. Just be aware of that. Clear as mud? I hope so. We'll talk about how you can submit <laughs> your things one more time. But with that, Josh, we're going to jump into the list. First game on the list, coming out September 4th, Marvel's Avengers coming to PS4, Xbox, and PC. Uh, There will be updates for next-gen consoles down the road, but for this contest, we're not worried about those. Uh, Developed by Crystal Dynamics, published by Square Enix. Josh, I'm going to throw it to you first as someone who has played a whole bunch of the beta. Yeah. (laughs) What score do you think Marvel's Avengers is going to have on Metacritic? Well, I would score it higher than I'm going to guess. However, I was hesitant to score it I was hesitant to give it the score I think it's going to be because of how much chatter has been online about the game. And it seems like either you love it or you hate it. I don't know that there's a lot of people that feel very strongly up against it. Um, so while I think this is going to be a pretty big game, I, I'm I'm sitting very safely at 80. 80. All right. 80 is Josh's guess. We're going to take a 10-point bath one way or the other, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, Josh, you know, I've played a decent amount of Marvel's Avengers. Definitely not as much as you have and not as much as others have. And I have fun with it. But I definitely think there are some issues, concerns that I have. And, you know, I think back to, like, Destiny, when Destiny launched, right? Some players really loved it. If I recall correctly, I don't think Destiny reviewed super great. It's a good question. Destiny obvi- 1. Yep. And obviously, this is a different team. Crystal Dynamics, totally different. And people really overall really enjoyed the Tomb Raider games. Uh, did pretty well there as far as the Metacritic scores go. What's 76. The, 
Okay, that's kind of what I thought. So I feel like this game is going to kind of be in that same ballpark that because it's a game of the service, because it's this kind of living world that, you know, you can really participate in in a lot of different ways. I think the good parts are going to be good, but I think the parts that people don't like are what's going to, they're going to focus on and drag that score down. So I'm going to go, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with 76. I think that this game is going to launch at a 76, though I think there might be many, many people who think it is far more fun then it is good, if that makes sense. Any additional thoughts? you think, am I going too low with 76? No, I think that's a safe guess, honestly. Uh, I was curious what Destiny got for PS3, but uh, <laughs> it uh, doesn't have a rating. Oh, well, that's always so good. So I guess everyone decided to review it on the PS4. User yeah. score is 4.5, though. <laughs> that's good. That's super good. All right, so there's a couple other fun, big games that are coming out in September, but most of those actually are going to be safe for our tiebreakers because our tiebreakers this time have a theme. So we are moving on then to the next game that is officially part of the contest, releasing October 2nd from those folks at EA Motive and published by EA, Star Wars Squadrons, coming to PS4, Xbox, and PC with some VR support. Mm. I believe this is Motive's first standalone game. It I is. think they have assisted with other games in the past, did the story and all that good stuff for Battlefront 2 and all those fun things. But Josh, you're, I know, excited about this game, really yeah. looking forward to playing it. Where do you think Star Wars Squadrons, what are what do you think it's going to get for a score? Well, it is, it is EA Motive's first game on their own. They have only worked on Battlefront 2. That's it. That's your only other game. Um, and yes, they unfortunately did the story for that game. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do know Star Wars Squadron does have story as well. Um, I'm a little, so Star Wars Squadrons is a game that they're, they're actively telling you this is a simulation fighter and no one's hearing it. So I'm a little worried <laughs> about what people are thinking they're getting because they're not getting the same space combat that they got in Battlefront 2. It's right. the same engine, I'm sure of it, but it's not the same controls, and you probably are always in first person. Yep. So I want to say the Flight Sim Fanatics will help even out the reviews. So I th I'm putting it in 85. That's a really good score. I was going to be honest, that's right kind of the same ballpark I was thinking of, that games like this, I, I feel there is a strong fervor, if you would, in when you look at publications talking about this game, there seems to be a lot of excitement for it, bringing us back to the games of old, the games of yore uh, that have existed previously in the Star Wars franchise. You know, 85 is actually the score I was going to go with, but I do want to differentiate myself. I don't want us to always have the same scores. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go 86. I think that it's going to go one over. See if that little bump that I think is going to happen happens. We're going to go 86. And this is tough because, you know, EA Motive, oof, not a lot of things to judge it against, right? You can't really yeah. look at all the I mean, that's a good thing, work. I think, actually, in this situation. Yeah, maybe in this situation <laughs> it's a good thing. So... Josh is saying 85 for Star Wars Squadrons. I am saying 86. We will see what happens. The next game on our list is actually releasing the exact same day as Star Wars Squadrons. Also from another huge publisher, but this time Activision, developed by Toys for Bob. It is Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. 
Uh, coming initially right now to PS4 and Xbox. I think I don't know that there are versions announced for other platforms currently. But I will take this one first since I've had you go first a couple times. I will now go first a couple times. In general, I wasn't really excited about this game. I didn't really care. Crash Bandicoot is fine to me. It, you know, I, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for it. But in watching the presentation during the latest PlayStation State of Play, I feel like this game looks really good. I hope it... I, obviously, I don't know how it's going to play for certain. I don't know how much it's going to resonate with people. But it really seems like they're putting a lot of work into this game to make it a really unique and cool experience. The fact that every single level has a second way that it can be played with a different art style and a different feel to it is awesome. All the new characters that are being included, the fact that you can play as some of the villains, they're really putting a lot of effort to try to make this a really good effort or a good entry, I should say, into the Crash Bandicoot um, series. And, you know, the Insane Trilogy was really well-loved. People seem to really like that. I think folks are excited for a new Crash game. So as a result, I'm going to say that this is going to exceed some expectations. I think it's going to do better than most people think. I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a good old 84. I think Crash Mm. Bandicoot 4 is going to get an 84 uh, to kind of tie in with that four. What about you, Josh? Are you excited for this game at all? Well, I had my score was way, way higher until I clicked on Toys for Bob's Metacritic page. Oh, gotcha. Um, and and I was very surprised to see Insane Trilogy only getting a 78. That is, keep in mind, though, that is the Switch version of it. Yeah, so they didn't even Granted, work the PS4 on the regular one, I think version. Was, I think the PS4 version was an 80. So, right. But someone else worked on it, not them, right? That is true. That so, is true. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, watching it, it looks exactly like the crash I remember. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think that that's a bad thing necessarily, but like Toys for Bob, their highest game is is rated a 90 and it's a Skylanders iOS game. Um, you know, so I'm not necessarily confident in the 92 I had before. Uh, <laughs> so I well, dropped they did it do the Spyro Reignited trilogy and that game was pretty well loved. Yeah, I dropped it to an 83. 83? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just based on, yeah, Spyro Trilogy was um, really loved, and the highest it got was an 83. <laughs> yeah, so, which is pretty good. It's I mean, good it's, it's good, but like I, ex- for some reason, I I even expected the Spyro one to be, like, with the amount of work they put into that, right. and how good it looked, like, I, I thought that would be in the 90s, because nostalgia is king. But I, can't, I guess not for them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the pre, like we talked a little bit about the Insane Trilogy that was developed by Vicarious Visions, who we'll be talking about later, potentially. Bum, bum, bum. Foreshadowing. Cool. All right. So Crash Bandicoot 4. I say 84. Josh says 83 because he hates nice and fun things. With that, we are moving on to one of the, I don't want to say biggest, but definitely one of the bigger games of the fall. Uh, it's a little title called Watch Dogs Legion, coming from the folks at Ubisoft, who have had their own share of troubles this summer. But coming to PS4, Xbox, PC, uh, I believe, correct me, Josh, if I'm wrong, is there an upgrade for this down the road, too? Oh, you know what? I don't know, actually. I'm I not sure if they've either. said. You gotta Which imagine there would be, right? I mean, I have to imagine there is, because with Ubisoft, I feel like there is for everything. Uh, but anyway, Watch Dogs Legion, a game that... 
I am moderately interested in. I really haven't played the other two Watch Dogs games, though I own them both. I probably should play them at some point. Yeah, there's no uh, at good. least two. Oh, okay, I, f- I figured I had to assume there was going to be. Um, but coming out October 29th, right before All Hallows Eve. Uh, Josh, this is a tough one for me because they're <laughs> taking a big swing with this game, right? They're oh, yeah. having you know every care or every person in the world is recruitable. They can all come into your clan and work with you to take down dead sec or whatever however that all works i don't really know watchdogs lore but my concern with this game is how unique are all of those people right because if you really <laughs> do you really like you can take anyone but there's only like 15 people that really exist you know what i'm saying yeah i know what you're saying exactly and as a result of that that makes me really uncertain because i think if they do this and they do it well I think this game could rate extremely highly, but if they do it and it isn't done well, I think that will be a huge knock against the game, but they've been working on this game for a long time. They've delayed it, you know, out of when it was originally supposed to release. And since I've given an, given an 86 so far and an 84 so far, I'm just going to split the middle, the difference right there. I'm going to say Watch Dogs Legion is going to get an 85. Okay. Josh, what say you? I'm of similar thought on the game i think that it definitely has it's not a game for me although it is intriguing uh it has a a very loyal uh base so those people are going to show up i don't know how many of them are reviewers um (laughs) uh but yeah i really don't know what to expect so um i have it at an 87 uh okay and and yeah i mean i really think it's going to be like a 95 or a 75. So I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Just playing it safe. Playing it safe. All right. So Watch Dogs Legion. Josh is saying 87. I'm saying 85. Our scores are pretty close right now, Josh. Yeah, I was noticing that. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I think this next one will be a really interesting one to see where we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is coming out the day after Watch Dogs Legion. Coming out October 30th. The Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope. Coming to PS4, Xbox, and PC, developed by Supermassive and published by Bandai Namco. Josh, the first game in this series is a game that we played together, and I think, you know, playing together had a fun time. I I enjoyed the experience that was being the Dark Pictures Man of Medan, but Josh, the game didn't score very well. No, it's not. So, where do you think the Dark Pictures anthology Little Hope is going to end up on Metacritic. <laughs> well, I had a blast playing Man of Medan with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely had its share of hiccups, but we didn't really experience too many bugs. Right. Other people I know did. Yes. But we were good. We were lucky. Um. Uh. Sorry, I just texted my wife, hey, can you white claw me? And she said, what flavor? I said, any. <laughs> uh if I watching the trailers for this game, and I actually watched a little bit of the design trailer recently where they interviewed the kid um, from Star Wars and Shameless, who's in, mm-hmm. starring in this. Yeah. Um, the character detail is <laughs> not good. Uh, I'm just beating around the bush. I put out a 65, Kyle. <laughs> wow, 65. Okay. Because we, we got burned on the Man of the Medan. <laughs> We did. We did get bird on the man of the Medan. The man of the uh, Medan. So here, here's the Thank interesting you. thing when it comes to 
<laughs> yeah, so, sorry. I'm drinking White Claw, all of our listeners, and I'm not embarrassed <laughs> about it. It's fine. You can drink White Claw. That's cool. That's what all the cool kids are doing. But Supermassive is a company who, or a developer who made one of the coolest games still, I think, to this day, and that's Until Dawn. Until Dawn, I, I, I believe, is an awesome We game. need a new one. Right. <laughs> And Love Until Dawn, even Until Dawn, I think is underrated because it's only at a 79 on Metacritic. That's too low. That, and I agree. I think <laughs> Until Dawn is a much better game than a 79. But then if you look after that, Josh, the Dark Pictures Man of Medina PC got a 75. Yeah. Tumble, the PS3 game, a 74. Until <laughs> Dawn, Rush of Blood, the VR game, got a 72. The Dark Pictures Man of Medan, 69 on PS4 and Xbox One. Tumble VR, a 69. Wonder Book Walking with Dinosaurs, a 68. Hidden Agenda, a 66. Kill Zone HD for the PS3 at a 59. The Inpatient at a 59. I mean, Josh, this gets bad. Hey, the Inpatient is the prequel to Until Done. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> only two games that were a 75 or higher. That's it. So I think going with 65 is actually not bad. Their average career score is a 63. Man, I'm right on the nose. <laughs> so I think you are right there. Uh, you know, I was excited to, for this game only because I wanted to play it with you. In rewatching the trailers, I'm not as confident that this game is going to be as good as I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm going to do it, Josh. I'm saying this gets a 60. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I feel happy that you chose that because no matter how off I am, Chances are you're going to be way off, and that's good I know. for me. <laughs> I know, because I'm going. I'm going for it. Because I, I think it, the safe bet would have been to go 68 or 70, but I, I think this is just going to be a miss. We'll that's see. A big I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I Gotta give you a separate us. 30 percent chance of being right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, but really, if you think about it, I'm saying this will be a just below average game for them. Hey, it's oh, it, uh, I was going to say it's passing. It's on. It's it's below. It's passing. a D. Isn't D. didn't they change grading? Isn't sixty five passing now? I guess it depends on where you go to school. Oh yeah, well, a lot of sixty five often is though. Yes. Okay. It used to be sixty five. I think I think it used to be sixty when I was a kid. I think they changed yeah. it. All right, Josh. Next game on the list coming out November seventeenth. Uh, back to a publisher and developer we've already talked about in Ubisoft. That is Ye Old Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Coming to PS4, Xbox One, PC, Stadia, PS5, Xbox Series X, probably some wristwatch somewhere. <laughs> Coming to everything. Josh, the last couple of Assassin's Creed games have been pretty different than the first big batch of them. Some yeah. people really like those changes. Some people don't. But where are you on Assassin's Creed Valhalla? How do you think this game is going to score? Well, I didn't have the foresight to look up assassin's creed origins review I was put it the, by I put, the, I put the scores right in the document for you it's not even on the first page did it score low josh i literally put the scores right in the document for you no i have it but it's not even oh the scores in the document yeah. Ugh, i completely <laughs> bypassed that oh i'm surprised they scored so low <laughs> with the amount of like rabid fan base for these two games yeah uh, I now I think my score is too high, but I'm gonna stick with it. Um, it's definitely, unfortunately, I really wish this was an Assassin's Creed game for me. It just isn't. Mm -hmm. I love the theme. I think people are gonna love the theme. Uh, 
I put it in eighty eight, and I actually oh. thought that was low, but now looking at those scores, uh, maybe it's a maybe it's high. <laughs> well, and keep in mind those are again are the PS4 scores. For whatever reason, PS4 score scores tend to be a point or two or three lower than Xbox scores because they're worse games, or they have higher standards. <laughs> No, no, I'll stick with the worst. <laughs> <games>. <laughs> That's fine. You can stick with that. Uh, because Origins on like Xbox One was a 85. So, uh, yeah, so you're you're right in the ballpark. Now, granted, you know, all of those are still lower than Black Flag, which is the best, but that's fine. Um, <clears throat> so are you excited oh for my. this game? I know I'm we've kind choked. of talked. <laughs> I know we've talked round and round about it, but where do you think? Are you excited about this? What do you think? I think it, against all of my... I'm going to play this game as much as I know it's not a game for me because I still, it's kind of like playing Apex and I occasionally buy a battle pass because I want to support Apex. Right. Assassin's Creed is a series that I am just so fond of and I love that they keep getting to explore these worlds. So I'm happy to still support them. I mean, we kind of basically share each other's support in these games uh yeah. but but still um so i'm excited to try to get some story out of it so maybe this will be the first game in this in this new assassin's creed that i just kind of try to mainline um and play through i know they kind of make it hard to do that you you're like severely under leveled if you try to mainline the game right um but as the time I've spent with Odyssey and Origins, I've enjoyed. They're just too big um, for me, I guess. I'm playing Tsushima still, and it's not too big for me. I don't know. I put like 80 hours in this game already. <laughs> um, but how could we ever know? Because there's no clock. Uh, yeah, I know. I just have to guess how much time I've spent at night staying up too late. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to play it. I know I have a feeling that you're very excited as well, but I'll let you tell me. Gotcha. So you said 88, right? 88. 88. That's a good score. No, I'm excited about this game. Uh, I am a huge Assassin's Creed fan. I will say playing Ghost of Tsushima, definitely Ghost of Tsushima, uh, definitely, I don't want to say quenched my thirst for Assassin's Creed, but it helped me remind me why I enjoy Assassin's Creed so much. So I don't know that I'm as looking forward to it as I was because I just kind of played a game that to me has some similar vibes. Yeah. But this one seems to be doing enough different things that... I'm still looking forward to it. This game and the game we're going to talk about next, I think, are two of the biggest hitters, definitely, for this fall. And I, I think them coming out a couple of days apart is detrimental to both, but mostly to this game. I think this is going to be the game that kind of gets forgotten about, is my guess, when it comes to the big games of fall that people are going to overlook this one. But I still think it's going to score pretty well. I'm not quite as high as you are. I'm going to go with an 86, actually, for Assassin's okay. Creed Valhalla. They come so out the same day. Is it the 17th or the 19th? Uh, on the Metafall, it's the 17 and 17. Oh, does it on the actual form? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't oh, matter. Well, it doesn't matter. Well, I will have to go fix that. No, then. don't fix it. No, I'm going to fix it. Because on the show notes, it says the 17th or the 19th. Ooh, oh, see? Nice. Oh Transfer it off of the show notes. Yeah, there so, it is. I messed it up. Don't All right, you well, worry about well, it. Well, maybe I'll fix it. Maybe I won't fix it. Don't we'll fix it. Easter okay. egg. <laughs> you should make that the tiebreaker. So you can know who listened to the show. <laughs> what date did I say this? Yeah. Be <laughs> well, but everyone will see it though because it'll be on the document that they all get to f- fill out. So okay. So next game then on the list, Josh, is kind of the the big daddy of the fall. 
Um, Bioshock from the, 4. <laughs> from that small little studio, CD Projekt Red. There's a game that got announced a decade ago or whatever it was. It really wasn't a decade, but it sure seems like it. Cyberpunk 2077 coming out November 19th. PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, obviously, we'll have upgrades down the road for the next-gen consoles and all that good stuff. Uh, you know, get to play with Keanu Reeves. That's exciting. So... CD Projekt Red, as a rule, doesn't really seem to release, quote-unquote, bad games, right? Every game, for the most part, that they put out is revered and respected. Uh, I, I don't think they've released many games below, like, an 85 ever. Uh, a couple little outliers there, but for the most part, I think that their games tend to do really well because they put so much time into them. And I think I'm less excited for Cyberpunk than most people. I will definitely be playing it this fall, but I don't know I'm as into it or as excited as other people are because I also didn't like The Witcher 3 as much as other people did. Mm. Now, granted, this is going to be a very different game than The Witcher 3. All signs are pointing to it, so maybe I'll like it more. But I think that's why my excitement level and my anticipation is a little lower than most people. But with that being said, uh, I have to respect the work that CD Projekt Red has done in the past and the general idea that people associate with them of putting on a really quality game i think they're kind of one of those critical darlings that for the most part i don't want to say do no wrong but i think they are beloved by critics and as a result cyberpunk josh i am saying is going to get a 92 whoa okay, okay. what do you say okay. sir well i i uh did not enjoy the first two witcher games mm-hmm uh, I didn't play Witcher 3 because I didn't enjoy the first two Witcher games, but uh, right. I recently, I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard that Witcher 3 is a is a, a vast improvement over the other two games, and so maybe I should have given it a shot. That being said, everything I see about Cyberpunk, there seems to be so much potential, and it just, it reminds me of the first Deus Ex so much. And that's a good thing. Uh-huh. I loved that game. So I'm going to give it the score I want it to be, not the score I think it's going to be. Okay. I'm going to, I put 96 for the score. Whoa, 96. I, I, everything about this game seems like a departure from Witcher, but right. it seems like that they're taking all their experience as this tiny game studio that has grown to be this like infamous high quality game studio right this is their big move like witcher was their prequels this is their this is their episode four this is their new hope (laughs) right i really think that they they could really knock it out of the park and cement themselves into like the 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 studio hall of fame for for video games yeah i could see that i i don't think a 96 is out of unrealistic i think it's definitely a possibility you got a hundred on the switch. <laughs> oh goodness! I have a feeling <laughs> that there's going to be just a couple people who are going to rate this really low, mm. and that's what's going to hold it back yeah, from something like right. a ninety-six. That's true. So that's why I went with what I went with. That's why I went ninety-two, just because I think I feel like there will be just a couple people who are going to score considerably lower than everyone else, and that will. Just pull it back from from getting that you know ninety five plus score. I didn't that, like that I could be any gender in this game. Zero. Well, you're yeah. a reviewer. You should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Josh. Now this is where things will get a little interesting because now we're getting to games that just don't necessarily have release dates yet. 
But I wanted to make sure. And here's the funny thing, too. I wanted to include like a Nintendo game, but we really don't know what Nintendo is doing yet. Other than one game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And even though really for like PlayStation and Xbox, we don't know when a lot of these games are coming out. So here we go. We'll figure out how this is. Uh, next one with a nebulous holiday 2020 release date, which just means it has to be before December 11th for us. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales being developed by Insomniac, published by PlayStation. Kind of that follow up what you would to the to the first Spider-Man game that was on PS4 that people, you know, overall really enjoyed. Uh, it is said this is going to be a bit of a smaller game, which honestly I'm, I'm kind of okay with. Uh, after all the hours I put him into Ghost of Tsushima, I, I'm okay with a small game, especially when ha- we have Assassin's Creed and Cyberpunk, uh, Watch Dogs Legion, potentially if I decide to play that, plus Marvel's Avengers all this fall. I'm okay with a game that I can jump into and have it be a little more of a contained experience to just get done with. Uh, but like I said, this is a follow-up, supposed to be relaunching kind of alongside roughly the same time frame as the release of the PlayStation 5, at least is, is what our thoughts are. As far as we know, this is only a PS5 game. They haven't said otherwise, though. Who knows? That could change. Maybe this will come out on PS4 as well. But Josh, you know, I really enjoyed the Marvel Spider-Man game. I do think, though, as we kind of jump into next gen, typically those first gambit of games, maybe not always going to be the best critical, critically received games, right? And this game, by the nature of it being a bit smaller, I, I'm guessing that there was a strong desire to make this a little more of a contained story so they could get it out in time for the PS5. So I, I'm anticipating this isn't going to live up to all the expectations and the dressing that was set by Marvel Spider-Man PS4. So, Josh, I'm going to say Miles Morales is going to sit at an 80 Whoa. on Metacritic when all is said and done. You're what crazy. about you? I'm crazy? <laughs> yeah. What do you say? So here's I, I 100% get your your rationale on like yeah. games coming out on new consoles. But you have to remember they were showing off how the PlayStation 5 like ran, how the chip ran with Spider-Man. Yeah. How it improved like all they're doing is taking the frame of the Spider-Man game, which is phenomenal. And they're they're going to use that all that stuff that they were testing the PS5 with. It's going to be present puddles, buildings, <laughs> puddles, buildings, civilians. Josh, that's actually Spider-Man. part of my worry. I think people are going to say it's too similar to the previous game. I, you know what? I think you're right, but I, I think when you take a game that is so beloved, beloved like Spider-Man, I think too similar isn't going to come up for the first sequel. I think okay. if we're talking three, four yeah. games down the line, uh, we'll start hearing that. I I I scored it lower than I think. I scored it at a 90. Wow. So better than the first game did. You got to remember, this is the showcase for PS5, right? It's, it's going to score higher because we're seeing what's better than our current gen. But it, mm-hmm. if it came out a year from today, it wouldn't score as high it's gonna have that next gen bump i know we love to talk about bumps on this show we do. uh it's gonna have that next gen bump it's gonna have that nintendo bump on this non-nintendo game gotcha. um because everyone's gonna be talking about the differences the ray tracing all these things all those things are gonna get you know these huge digital foundry they're gonna come out and be like this is the best looking game that's ever been made i promise 
unless you have a PC. Like these things are going to happen. I just, I really think 90 is a low. I think we're looking at a higher than a 90. Wow. That would be quite the year if. It's going to be quite the year for me in Metafall if you're not even yeah, close at 80. Yeah, you crushing me. <laughs> Woo, I'm saying 80. You're saying 90. Uh, you know what, though? I would take that. I will, I'll totally be wrong with that. I'm fine with that. Right. I'd be happy to. Well, I don't want to be wrong, but I'd be happy <laughs> if you were wrong. <laughs> right. All right, Josh. Next game on the list is something that is currently an Xbox Series X and PC exclusive as far as we know, or at least launch exclusive as far as we know. Coming out slated at holiday 2020 from those fine folks at Bloober Team who are both developing and publishing this game. That is The Medium, this weird, horror-y, two-worlds-at-one-time game that people seem to be pretty stoked about. So, Josh, what are your thoughts? The Medium, what do you think it's going to get? Well, The Medium... It's a weird game. It's a gamble, right? But it is, it is also made by the people who made Layers of Fear. Right. Which, while did not necessarily score very well, it is a very... Actually, it did score very well on the Switch. Hmm, I wonder why that is. Um, uh, it is very loved by horror gaming fans. It is, yes. Um, I get, I'm going to guess, just like in movies, there's not a lot of horror-loving critics in, in this industry. Uh but this is a this is the gamble game, right? I think this could be really good or it could be mediocre. I'm leaning is towards this really be I'm leaning towards really good. Or Blair Witch. Right, exactly. I'm I'm leaning towards really good because it's it's unlike any game we've seen before. It definitely yeah. has like Silent Hill feels. Right. Um, but it handles that whole Silent Hill three uh, me- uh mechanic differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of going to a different world, you're like at the same time in both worlds. Uh, right. Uh, I'm, I, I'm guessing an 85. I, I think it's a safe guess. Um, okay. Yeah. I think that's going to be right in the middle of where, where it lands. So Bloomer team is an interesting developer because they, like you said, pretty much for the most part have really focused on horror games. That is a lot of what they've done. Their overall games they've released have not scored super well. Well, they're really, really similar, actually. To su- they're they're really similar to <laughs> Supermassive, who have one or two out, kind of outlying games that people really like, and the rest of their work is not great. And I still think back to Basement Crawl on PS4, which is it's not like a good the, game I'm at all. Looking at that trailer right now, <laughs> <laughs> that game is not good. But yeah, this game is interesting. I think the premise is super cool. I hope it's going to be successful, and they're saying all the right things. But I kind of felt like they did that with Blair Witch as well. Yeah. But well, Blair Witch, pu- yeah, Blair Witch got that hype, like Game Pass bump. Right. Bump, and bump, bump. You, I'm gonna, you, I'm gonna say bump a lot today. Yeah, and you, and they used that Game Pass bump to score a 67. Yeah. So, what, a, what a way uh, to go. <laughs> I though am gonna say similar to Miles Morales. There's gonna be people who really like this game, but I think there's going to be some drawbacks to it. Just if you look at their pedigree, them scoring super high is going to be unusual not saying they're not capable but it'd be unusual for them so i'm actually going to go 80 i think that's a pretty safe bet the hype of this game seems to be real Uh, it looks really really good so i it's going to come down to whether or not that story delivers and how good the horror is and i think they have a chance because they've done some good things in the past but i don't know that they have a chance to go far above anything they've ever scored before so i'm going to say 80 80 that's a solid guess all right so the last thing then josh is a game 
I don't really know if it's still going to come out this year, to be totally honest. They keep saying it still is, but I have no idea. And it's a game I know you've talked about a lot. I'm kind of excited about it as well. Yeah. Being developed by People Can Fly, also being published by Square Enix, our second Square Enix game on the list, kind of sandwiching things out potentially, is Outriders. Coming to basically everything except Switch, supposedly holiday 2020. (laughs) Josh, I know this is a game that you were one of the first person people i knew who was super excited about it or at least looking forward to this game yeah what are your thoughts outriders how's it gonna do oh yeah devin and i have been sharing uh our love for what this game could be uh um they did this weird thing where they talked about the game a bunch for two weeks and then just stopped talking about it again period yeah very Uh, weird in the middle of e3 season so I'm, i'm not super thrilled that they're that they're I'm worried that they're not showing more. Right. Um, but I'm excited for it. Um, however, I did quell my excitement with a guess of 78. <laughs> okay. I, li- I like what they do. I like what the studio does. I was a big fan of Painkiller, um, which was a game in the PC, which I really enjoyed. And um, Bullstorm was fine. It was cool for what it was. It wasn't mm-hmm. a groundbreaking game, um, but it was a new style of game. So yeah. um, I think Outriders is going to fit like right in that area between like 75 and 82-ish. So I just kind of tried to be safe. You pick 78, right? 78. Okay. Yeah, People Can Fly is an interesting studio because they were, I don't know if they were owned by Epic for a while, but at least in really collaborating with Epic a lot and they did some work on Gears and they've done some other things. They were a support studio for a long time and kind of did their own projects here and there. But, man, this game looks fun to me, but I just don't know how good it's going to be and that's the thing that I always struggle with. Uh, I am someone who probably likes Bulletstorm more than a lot of other people do. I think that game is just stupid fun. Uh, I don't know that the shooting is super awesome, but the (laughs) grappling and all that other stuff I think still holds up. So, because of the way the game was designed, even though maybe the shooting isn't perfect, it still fits really well and flows really well with everything else there. I don't know. Honestly, I'm not super confident this game is still coming out this year. But if it does, I, mm, I'm i going to go a little lower than you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 75. Okay. I think that's that's a safe and fair guess. Awesome. All right. So those are the 10 games that for sure count as long as they come out within the time frame. We are then going to have three tiebreaker games, and these tiebreaker games have a theme to them. But these tiebreakers, like I said, will go one at a time in order. If there are any ties from the contest, these will be the ways that we break the ties. Uh, And as soon as the tie is broken, we're not going to necessarily go through all three games, so if we don't want the things to even out again, as soon as one game breaks the tie, that's where we'll end it. If the first game doesn't break it, we'll go to the second game, and so on. So the first tiebreaker game is coming out way back in September, September 4th, Josh. Developed by Vicarious Visions, who we talked about. Published by Activision. That is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. These games being repackaged, brought back to life. Do you have a fond memories of Tony Hawk, Josh? I do. In fact, I didn't play the demo because I have fond memories of Tony Hawk 1 and 2. Specifically on my Dreamcast. In oh, nice. my college uh, house that I had rented by myself and just sat Playing Tony Hawk and Crazy Taxi and Soul Calibur all day. <laughs> uh, so this is a game I I didn't pre-order or get because I was worried about how good it's going to be. Yeah. However, people seem to really be liking the warehouse demo. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. So I'm hopeful <laughs> that this game is going to be returned to form. And because they're having 
skater one and two and bringing some of the refinements from two into one from what i understand i think this game might be better or than i was expecting it to be yeah so i'm gonna be i don't know maybe this is brave maybe this isn't better oh vicarious visions they've done some good stuff they've done some not so good stuff more not so good stuff than good stuff i think (laughs) they're such an interesting studio because they've done so many weird things their highest rated game is tony hawk's pro skater 2 on the gba (laughs) (laughs) well i mean those games still have to get rated (laughs) no they absolutely do they just have done a lot of interesting stuff uh josh i'm gonna go 83 for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remaster. <laughs> I don't know if they actually have remaster on it. I don't think that's part of the title, yeah, but that's what uh, I'm going with. What are you saying for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2? I put it at an 86. Ooh, okay. Yeah, uh, and and I probably would have had it at a 70 before I started seeing um, um, influencers and in, uh, feedback on playing the demo. Gotcha. And people seem to be loving it. So next game then. Coming out just a few days later, September 8th, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning, coming to PS4, Xbox, PC, developed by Kaiko and published by THQ Nordic, those people who own a thousand studios at this point and have like 900 games in development or whatever the ridiculousness is. (laughs) This remaster of the much-beloved Kingdoms of Amalur, which is a game that, folks, I feel like it's kind of a cult classic. People who like it really, really like this game. I never played the original, did you? Yeah, um, but I think cult classic means i think a certain amount of people have to i know that it's like i think more than like 10 people have had to play it for it to be a cult classic <laughs> wow <laughs> i so only played it because of than... Schilling. gotcha are you saying less than 10 people played this game no i mean just like uh, statistically percentage-wise it's very low <laughs> i think people were using the argument that it came out around the same time as skyrim and that's why it's not even close to the same type of game as skyrim not even close <laughs> I'll be honest, Josh. I don't even know what kind of game this is. What is Kingdom of Amalars? It's. Uh, I don't want to sound like a fool now, so I'm I'm 100 going to look up a video and make sure that what I remember uh, is true. But from what I remember, is it's a third person action adventure game, not even close to Skyrim. Um, but of course, everything that I look up is for the re is the re reckoning, not the original, because uh, it would be PS3, right? It would have been, yeah. Kingdoms of Amalur reckoning gameplay. Let's make sure Josh doesn't look like a dope on his own podcast. <laughs> yeah, third person action adventure, uh, nowhere near Berlin or Skyrim. Uh, yeah, hack and slashy. Um, do you remember Two Human? I do remember Two Human. Similar like fight mechanics, except you're not like jumping fifty feet in the air. Um, I should say it's probably more comparable to, um, like Fable if it was a, a fantasy. Oh, this is a fantasy RPG. If it was a <laughs> Tomb Raider Fable, um, it was fun. There was the combat was pretty satisfying. It felt good. You collecting like mushroom caps and beating up bad guys and stuff. It was just like for here in New England, it was just like the talking, like the game you talked about if you were in gaming. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I have, 
I do remember playing it. I was not a Skyrim person, so I, I just don't understand the comparison that some people make. Except okay. for fantasy. That's a bit that's about it. <laughs> that makes them the same. So I have no idea <laughs> about how good this game is because yeah. I never played the first one. I kinda wanna play this one, but also you know, that darn pesky Marvel's Avengers game comes out four days before it. I- I'm gonna go eighty, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I feel I feel like that might be low because people seem really excited for this game coming back, but maybe it's just one of those games that is again more fun than it is good. I don't know, but I'm going eighty. Josh, what say you? Well, I had eighty written, and I'm not changing it. Just uh, mess with you. <laughs> that sounds great. We're both saying eighty for Kingdoms of Amalur re reckoning coming out September eighth. The final game in our tiebreakers is none other. Then Pikmin 3 Deluxe, coming to Switch on October 30th, developed and published by Nintendo. Pikmin. Again. uh, Again. (laughs) Pikmin, a a game that is overall scored pretty darn well. Yeah, people love this game. People really love Pikmin. I'm sure Kevin's very excited because Pikmin are coming. I've never played a Pikmin game. I all I really know about Pikmin, I think, and I don't even know if this is right, is there's little thingers on the screen and you tell them to go do stuff. <laughs> little is that kind of accurate? Yeah, you nailed it. Little colored thingers and they follow you around. Are they? Are those the Pikmin? I don't even know. Yeah, those are the Pikmin, and you play okay, all, so all little... Amar, the space astronaut. Oh, is person. that what he's from? I don't even know. I know nothing about Nintendo. Cool. So, Josh, uh, Pikmin Three Deluxe. A, are you gonna play it since you have a Switch? Are you gonna you know stop playing Animal Crossing long enough to play this or if not, either way, how do you think it's going to score? Well, Pikmin 3, not Deluxe, <laughs> Pikmin 3 uh-huh. got an 87. It did. So, first of all, I'm not. I'm, I'm probably not going to play this. Um, and that's like Kevin was like, hey, it has online multiplayer. We should play together. And then I might consider it. Um, but I'm going to give it, it's definitely getting the old... Uh, Nintendo Switch, but a uh, bump <laughs> if for if anyone's drinking at home. <laughs> but um, uh, I I I gave it an I I put it at a ninety. I'm gonna give it that Switch bump from the original game, which was an eighty-seven. And yeah. Essentially, we're getting that same game. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it a three-point bump. That sounds good. Uh, I actually had ninety written down, but I don't want to have you copy it. Do it. Do so, it. No, do no, no. it. <laughs> so I'm saying ninety-one. Oh, okay. All right. I'm changing my end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, Pikmin 3 Deluxe Switch, October 30th. We'll see. So, there we go, Josh. That's uh, Metafall. Of the games, of the 10 games that we have that are part of the main contest, Josh, obviously yeah. three of them still have those holiday release dates. How many of the 10 will actually release this fall? <laughs> that's such a loaded question. I, I don't, know. I don't know. Uh Seven. Ooh, what's getting bumped? Oh, I have to pick them. Uh, I have uh, Outriders probably gets bumped. Yep. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion. Ooh, really? Yeah. Uh, and shoot. Uh, this I guess it's just a guess. Uh, uh, Miles Miles Morales. I was actually also going to say seven, and I think <laughs> all the the three games that don't have actual dates are all getting bumped. Yeah, I think me, I think the medium, I think Miles Morales, and I think Outriders. None of those games make. Do you think game. Xbox can breathe if medium gets bumped? What happens to Microsoft? <laughs> I don't think enough. I don't think that's because it's a horror game. I don't know that that's a game that's really going to move the needle, and not yeah. in a negative way. It's just that's a very niche audience, you know. That's fair. So 
if it gets bumped, I don't think it's a quote unquote bad thing or it will have a super negative impact on them. I think those who are super into it will be very bummed, but I think that's a pretty small group of people. And again, not speaking of what the quality of the game might be just horror games in general aren't as popular. Yeah. All right, Josh, well, we've been going long enough. Why don't you, let's kind of move towards wrapping this show up with our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, uh, but we want to give you one other thing we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? Hey, so my recommendation this week is a podcast. What? We're a podcast? Yes, it is definitely different from our podcast. If you are old like me... And you watch a show called Saved by the Bell, Mm -hmm. like me, on Saturday afternoons, I believe. Uh, You would be interested in checking out this podcast because because of the quarantine and pandemic, every actor has time to do podcasts. That is a proven fact. Uh, (laughs) So I don't know if people are familiar with College Humor's um zach morris series it's like zach morris is a horrible human being and what they do is this guy he takes clips from old say by the bells and they comment them on like like what he does like what he did in that show at, in that time period mm-hmm. that just really uh makes him like the things that he did were horrible right as far as today's standards yeah so basically the show on college humor like accentuates this specific episode plot and talks about how horrible Zach Morris is as a human being. Eventually this got back to Mark Paul Gosseler who played Zach Morris. Um, and then he got in touch with this person and this guy who did it knew so much about um, say by the bell that not only mm-hmm. did they decide to do a podcast together, but he actually hired him to write on the new series that's on. Oh, Dang. So this guy got a writing job out of it. But uh, what we find out is that Mark Paul has never watched an actual episode of Saved by the Bell. He's seen clips and he obviously he lived filming them, but he's never seen a full episode. Right. So what they do on the show is um, they watch, they, they tell you, do your homework, watch episode one, and they're going episode one, two, through as long as many as they get through. But they have Mark watch the show and then they talk about it and you're going to find out like behind the scenes stuff. And, and, mm-hmm. um, and then he has guests come on from uh, the show. So like, I know Tiffany Thiessen's coming on. Um, I'm sure Elizabeth Barkley is coming on because she's in the new show. Right. Um, um, but they have a bunch of people coming on the show. Uh, and it's really interesting to hear like Mark Paul's like, take on some of the things that happened and hear some of the behind the scenes stuff and what it was like being a kid who didn't go to school, who, you know, learned on set and stuff like that. Uh, so if you're like me, who was like obsessed with that show growing up, this is like a great, you know, podcast to listen to. And then you can kind of relive the episodes too, by rewatching them. Very cool. It's called, uh, it's called Zach to the future. That's a really good name too. <laughs> awesome. Zack to the Future, the podcast. So my yes. recommendation is a documentary. What? Surprise. Uh, and this documentary is on Disney Plus, and it is called Howard. And it is the untold story of Howard Ashman, who is the lyricist behind, you know, those small Disney movies like Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. You know, no big deal. The interesting <laughs> thing about this documentary is that it has a 
significant number of interviews with people, but other than interviews that are done with Howard Ashman in the past, which are shown shot for shot, whatever, you can hear his you know voiceover doing the interview, every other interview with a person, that person is not shown. And it is archival footage that is playing in the background of things that have happened, things that he was involved in, you know, things, pictures and all this other stuff. So it's very, very interesting that you were hearing all these people kind of narrate about his life, but you never see the other people. Like they might be in pictures that are being shown or in these video clips that are being shown, but it's the, the version of them in... 1988 not the sure. version of that person today uh and some of the stuff is done in a way that you can't totally tell if these are conversations they were having with people now or if these were just they're using you know voiceover or questions they answered in the past about howard ashman and just kind of folding it into this documentary so it's really interesting if you have any desire to know about those movies how they came to life the how movies were produced and created back in you know the 80s and the 90s and the kind of the heyday or the return if you would of disney animation is pretty interesting but keep in mind this does start with his story from the beginning so it's you're going to learn a lot about howard ashman but how he really came to be you know this this lyricist who had created things that we had never really seen before um and it's a really interesting look so that's howard on disney plus nice josh what do you say we wrap this show up let's do that thanks for joining us everyone in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form and you just or you're just not feeling social media, uh, please feel free to send us an email at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji, so please feel free to use that hashtag as well on all your social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all of the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Cyclocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As a reminder, we want you to enter the Metafall contest. So please go to bit.ly slash Metafall 2020. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash M-E-T-A-F-A-L-L 2020. And fill out the form there by 11.59 p.m. Sunday, August 29th, and we will get you entered for, to win some great prizes. I never said what the prizes were, Josh. Oh, they're going to be so surprised. I know. It says <laughs> on the form, too. But first prize, $60, Amazon. Second prize, $30, Amazon. Third prize, $20, Amazon. But the third prize is something we kind of give away for different things, usually for getting the most scores right. You know, that kind That's of dressed. <laughs> exactly. So make sure you go and do that. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.